0: Blog Talk Radio If
1: Good morning, my friends. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group and the CD Native Angels by Save. The CDs are very awesome and has many spiritual songs with Native American instruments and Gregorian chants and they are unlike anything you've ever heard. If you want to order a copy, contact SAV, as in Victor, A-E dot org, and uh, you can also find them on Facebook. Uh, they also do live shows and you can listen to them, of course, for free on YouTube and uh, I also uh, want to let you know I've got my CD from Amazon, so the CD in still available. Native Angels by Save. I'm your host, Reverend Sean McCann. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open-minded platform that focuses on the tenets. The Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the library study Bible. And you may use any Bible you wish, of course. And I've had many spiritual experiences and in gratitude, um, we will have ongoing Bible readings every Sunday and discussion about our spiritual experiences and reading out of uh, materials uh, that I have on hand. I'm just focused on being uh, my real self and everybody getting comfortable and carrying the message given to me and just reading our Bibles weekly. The call in number if you have a message or if you want to discuss anything is 619-924-9744 and Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now for opening prayer, let's bow our heads and say together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread and forgive us our trespasses and forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I thank you very much. Uh, we pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide, and also we ask God to please intervene in the war and the horrible ISIS and everything that's going on over there and the bloody martyrism over. The poor human beings that are being slaughtered before our eyes—nothing goes unnoticed by our heavenly Father—and the revenge is the Lord's. But I say I'm very shook up over all those incidents, and I ask you in Jesus' name to please protect these people with your loving arms, and know that they are martyrs, and they will be going straight to heaven. And um, I'm really sorry for all the families. I just want to tell you that. those that live in fear, and uh, uh, we ask in Jesus' name to please protect them, and we also pray for wisdom of our president, and the rest of our policy makers, and also the leaders worldwide. We have many decisions to make, and we're praying for all the countries of the problem of suffering all over the whole world, and also on the news is the Ebola crisis. We pray, pray, pray that the spread of Ebola stops, and the healing begins, and We pray for all those that are suffering from any kind of malady, and we also pray for the animals that are suffering and that can't speak for themselves, and we speak for them. And just, God, hold everybody in your prayers, and also Mary's husband who died this morning, and the VFW that's in Gardena, and also England, both those branches need help, our Heavenly Father. Please bless them that may be prosper and help the veterans in their care, and forgive me, God, and my anger of uh, for many things this few weeks. And I ask it in Jesus' name to forgive us all. We love you, God. Amen. On a happy birthday to everybody that has a birthday today. God bless you so much that you have a prosperous year ahead. And any anniversaries, I want to wish you a happy anniversary and also celebrate all the. Graduations and certificates And everything that everybody's passed And I want to encourage you to keep going Keep developing yourself And I ask this in Jesus' name Amen And uh, let's see We also, If you don't have a, a Ryrie study Bible I found my Bible In the trash can And that is how I got hold of my Bible It's called Ryrie Excellent notes and easy to read uh, You can use any Bible you wish of course And uh, there's also online Bibles, www.biblegateway.com and also www.biblia.com. Now, last week, we were reading Chapter 14, and I'm going to read you a little bit of summary about that, because it was uh, quite a chapter. As we're finding out, Acts is uh, actually laying the foundation of Christianity, and, um, so remember Paul was in Iconium, and, uh, Paul and Barnabas were making headway, getting people to follow Jesus, and, uh, then there's also, of course, the, the haters, and, uh, they actually stoned Paul, and he was knocked out, and, uh, they, they took him out of town as friends, and miraculously, Paul, uh, was not killed, but he was alive, and, uh, that was quite a thing. They thought Paul was dead, but he isn't. And then uh, Paul and Bartosmith decide that they uh, better get out of town, and which they did. They head back to Judea to give a report to everybody that they're on the status of the church in the Roman Empire. And um, everybody's excited because of the spread of Christianity and these early uh, apostles and uh, rebel rousers, as people would call them, Uh, We're actually bringing the message that we still carry to 2,000 years later. Okay, so let's begin with our chapter 15, and that's this week. And then I'll read the notes. Chapter 15. So men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. When Paul and Barnabas had a great dissension and debate with them, The brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Therefore, being sent their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. When they were arriving at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they all reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the the Pharisees who had been believed, had believed stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Okay, here's the discussion. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by mouth, The Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe, and God, who knows the heart, testified to them that giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us, and he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of his disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? but we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they are also. All the people kept silent and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done to them among the Gentiles. After they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. Simeon has also related how God had first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. With this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After these things I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen. And I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, and that all the Gentiles whom are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. Therefore, is not my judgment that we who do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, but that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled and from blood. For Moses from ancient generations has in every city those who preach him, since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas called Barsabas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they sent this letter by them, the apostles and the brethren who are elders, to the brethren of Antioch, Syria, Sil- Sicilia, who are from the Gentiles, greetings. Since we have heard that some of our number, whom we gave no instruction, have disturbed you with their words unsettling to your souls, it seemed good to us, having come. Become one of mine to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from the blood, and from the things strangled, and from fornication, if you keep yourself free from such things, you will do well, and then farewell. That's the end of the letter. The letter is delivered to Antioch. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they delivered, read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, Encouraged and strengthen the brethren with a lengthy message. After they had spent the time there, they went away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them out. But it seemed good to silence to remain there. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord. This is now this section is called the second missionary journey. The personnel are chosen. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, "'Let us return and visit the brethren in every city "'in which we proclaim the word of the Lord "'and see how they are.'" Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamaria Pamaria, and had not gone with them to their work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren of grace of the Lord. So I guess we even have dissension among just the apostles too. So we all argue it's normal. Anyway, the church revisited. And he was traveling to Syria and Sicilia, uh, Sicilica, strengthening the churches. And that's, that brings us up to 16. So let's go back and read the notes. It's interesting to just hear their stories and how personal it is and how true it sounds that this is yes, this really did happen and these were real people that were giving the message to bring out to all of us. Okay, I'm going to start with the notes on one. 15.1 Unless you are circumstanced you cannot be saved. The problems raised by the presence of the Gentiles in the church now came to a head. Peter had learned that no man could be called unclean, not even a Gentile, and the Jerusalem church had accepted the first Gentile converts on an equal basis with Jewish converts without the necessity of being circumcised. However, some believing Pharisees went on to be on the offensive and insisted the Gentile converts be circumcised. A parallel question was also being raised Should there be unrestricted social contact between the Jewish and Gentile Christians? The Judaic party separated themselves from those who do not follow the dietary laws and would not partake in common meals. Chapter 15 is concerned with two questions, circumcision and foods, meaning socializing. Had the division over these questions prevailed, the unity of the church would have been shattered from the start. Okay, so now we're up to 15.7, By My Mouth, the Gentiles. A reference to the Peter's ministry in the house of the Cornelius. And then 15.10, a yoke. The law, which is in its in- interpretive additions had become a burden, literally almost impossible to keep. So 15.11, Peter means that both Jew and Gentile will be saved through grace without the yoke of the law or the right of circumcision. 15.13, James. This is talking about inter- in- the introduction in James. And then 15.15-17. The quotation is from... A version of Amos 911 11-12, James specifies that the prophecy of Amos will be fulfilled after these things, for example, after the present worldwide witness, then after the return of Christ, the tabernacle of David in the millennial kingdom will be established and the Jew and the Gentile will know the Lord. James assured the counsel that God's program for Israel had not been abandoned by the coming of Gentiles into the church. That must have been very disruptive. I mean, everything they've known had to change. And then now we're on 1519. We do not trouble those. Trouble those, the clear verdict of James as the president of the council was that the Gentile converts need not to be circumcised. And and then 1520 is, in order to promote peace among the Jewish and the Gentile believers, the Gentiles were asked to abstain from any practice abhorrent to Jewish Christians. So this is just out of politeness that uh, don't do it in front of people that are freaked out because you're eating a certain food or whatever. The Jewish Christians would would then socialize with them. And they don't want to be contaminated by food sacrifices to idols. Gentiles use idols' temples for banquets. And uh, they didn't have the same belief system and didn't think anything was, uh, you know. Uh, and, anyway, just don't, don't eat the food to sacrifice out of a difference for your Jewish friends. Fornication, it does seem unlikely that the word means illicit sexual relations sexualization in this instance, though it does elsewhere mean something else, for this would be wrong for any Christian or Gentile or Jew. It evidently has a special meaning here of the marriages contracted between two near relatives as forbidden, and the blood needed to be drained from the slaughtered animals. And people risk their lives. And then um, 1534, let's go to 1536. The second missionary trip was not planned to reach out to areas beyond those on the first trip, but to return to the churches established on the first journey. God, however, had additional plans. So we make plans, and God makes a better plan. Okay, 1539. They separate from one another. Here's an example of a separation because of personality or practicality, not doctrine. It seemed to be the only solution to the problem. God brought good out of it that two missionary teams were sent out and that Barnabas' continued interest in John Mark rescued him from possible uselessness. And that's it. Then we'll go on to the next one. So very interesting once again. So they're talking over technicalities when really... It's the the whole thing is be circumcised in your heart. That's the whole thing. So um let's see. I wanted to now read you something. I picked a special selection out of a guidepost and um let me see about that. So this is my little trusty guidepost that I've had for a while. Um And I've been reading it and reading it, and I'm also reading it to you. So the story I'm going to go to now is The Man in the Room 4014 by Ruth Barrow Barr from Stoughton, Wisconsin. Sometimes experiencing something really terrible isn't as difficult as surviving it. I had a chance to learn that as a nurse at Corpus Christi Naval Hospital, there was was where I met John, a Navy flight instructor stationed at the jet base nearby in Kingston, Texas. Tall, blonde, blue-eyed, and with a smile that melted more hearts, I felt certain that mine alone, he was also wise, funny, and full of life. As we continued to date in our relationship group, I became aware that, that it was a, his generous, understanding spirit that I loved most of all. Our romance seemed like a dream come true for me, and then, very much like a dream, it ended abruptly. Late one great December afternoon in 1978, word came that a jet had lost power during a low level landing approaches to Corpus Christi in a naval field. To avoid a collision, the pilot had banked the plane away from a mobile drill rig moored at the bay and crashed barely a mile from the hospital where I worked. Word passed quickly through our small hospital staff that a plane had gone down. There were a dozen squadrons in our region, and John was outstanding pilot for years of experience. Of all the pilots, I reasoned, it surely had to be someone other than John who crashed. I dialed his office just to be reassured by his voice. A second later, I was greeted by John's commanding officer. His words painfully gentle, ripped the earth from under my feet. Ruth, I have something to tell you. John is dead. I took time off for the funeral. I felt lost and aimless. How could I go back to working and buy groceries and cleaning my apartment if everything were just the same? When I returned to the hospital, a new patient had been admitted to our floor, in room 4014, as a civilian humanitarian case. He was a small, round man with a scrubby beard and hard little eyes. He had a badly infected leg wound that required strict rest and intravenous antibiotics but it quickly became clear that he had another problem, one that was a lot more difficult to treat. Everything about this man was foul. His filthy body, his groping hands, his horrid language more than anything else, the pleasure he seemed to get from making these nurses uncomfortable. As hard as he tried to look beyond his behavior, each of us invariably left the room as quickly as possible, practically e- ejected into the hall by a stream of his obscenities. The man in forty fourteen simply could care less about anyone, and all least of all himself. He refused baths, refused to dress completely or to shave, refusing to allow us to keep his room in even a marginal state of order. By the only thing that he agreed to was being left alone, which our frustrated staff began to do willingly. Two weeks into his stay, I stood at the nurses' station, mixing his last dose of antibiotics for the evening shift, and stewing over my latest encounter with him. I had tried to get him to wear a robe over the hospital jam as I covered him so inadequately. In language as cold and raw as January wind, that screamed past my window. He made it very clear that I could do with my robe and my other good intentions. Now I had to face him again to administer antibiotics. My agitation must have shown on my face because one of the other nurses shook her head and said, The guy in 4014 again, huh? She grimaced. I can't stand to be in the same room with him. It must be even worse for you. Her emphasis puzzled me. What do you mean? She looked startled and then uncomfortable, and she said, I thought you knew. She had my whole attention now. That guy, she explained, was working on the mobile rig that your pilot swerved to avoid. If it hadn't been there for John, probably... I'm sorry. If it hadn't been for John... He probably would have ejected safely. I wanted to scream. My tears blurred my eyes, and I fought to steady my trembling hands as they mechanically set the medication tray on the counter. How could I face the man in 4014? How could he be alive when John was dead? I took a deep breath. Well, I had promised myself and God that I wouldn't ask why such unfair things happened. I knew God was our father and that he loved me and John. The image of John's handsome, patient face flashed before me and I suddenly realized, I haven't lost everything of John. I still have all the sense of meaning and purpose he so often shared with me. What would he have thought of the man in 4014? John believed in God's guiding hand and that every human being had worth. He thought that things happened for a reason and he believed in handing over to God but we can't manage ourselves. I made my way down to 4014. I stood just a moment outside the door and prayed silently, God, I don't know why you put this patient and me together. I guess I don't need to, but just help me reach him and give him what he needs. I opened the door and went in. What now, he growled. Only your shot, I assured him, and he nodded curtly and turned to stare out the window. The bay sparkled silver in the distance of so the brisk wind and soft the waters in the moonlight. His image in the glass reflected a haunted aspect I hadn't noticed before. It looks cold out there tonight, I said. It'll never look the same to me again, he stared down at his crumpled bedclothes. How do you mean, I asked. He shrugged awkwardly. Oh, it's just that crash, you know, the jet that went down in the bay a while back. He pressed on without waiting for an answer, not noticing how I had frozen in place. I was out there on that rig when the plane went down. He was almost talking to himself now, staring out the window. I've never seen anything like that before. One minute the plane was up there, the next, his words trailed off and he looked back at me with a shrug His expression pained. I'm in his eyes, willing myself not to cry. What a kind of response would I give him? What kind of answer did I have myself? Before I can gain enough control to say anything, his face changed and shock shock sharpened his features. You're the one, aren't you, he asked. I waited for him to explain, although I knew what he was asking. You're the new nurse who was dating that pilot, aren't you? I had heard of you. You were here. I'm I'm sorry his rough sun-brown forehead wrinkled over eyes that seemed to waver between his usual defensive glare and genuine concern. That's okay, I told him when I found my voice at last. It's hard getting past something like that, whether you actually knew the person or just saw it happen. Believe me, I understand. I can't stop thinking about the accident. gone just like that. Why? Why should that pilot's time be up and not mine? How are you supposed to live with that? I mean... Am I supposed to owe somebody something now? They say the good die young, he chuckled, a humorless bark with a nervous edge. I guess it doesn't say much for me, huh? I groped for a response. His questions were ones I'd asked myself, and I suppose I might have felt as defensive as he sounded if I hadn't been the one for one thing. Beyond all my doubts and questions, I believed in God. Not just in his existence, but in his active, caring part in our lives. Words came to me, strong ones. It was as if I had borrowed John's strength and faith. I don't have an explanation of why things happen, either good or bad, I said. But I do believe God has his reasons and that he didn't give any of us life to waste. We just have to keep going and do our best to make something worthwhile in it. You never know when you might make a difference. He was still for a moment, then nodded slowly. I finished taking care of him in silence, getting only an absent nod when I said good night. The next day I made my way down to room 4014 without the old feeling of dread. What haunted my patient wasn't so different from my own ghost, and I now saw him in a different light. When I pushed open the door, I had to suppress a gasp. The man in room 414 was smiling at me, hesitatingly and shyly, he was clean-shaven, his hair was neatly combed, and for once he was dressed in clean pajamas and a robe. For some people, these are not the remarkable changes, but for this man, they were bold steps. I felt happy that I had been in a long time. I couldn't help but wonder which of us had learned more. Maybe 4014 had simply needed to know it was all right to have survived when someone else hadn't. Maybe I needed a reminder that I had to move on and make a new life without John. But one thing is clear. The man in 414 and I both had things left to do. It may not be great, world-changing things, but then again, remember his smile. I thought of ripples in a pond, a tiny impact reaching out to ever-wider circles. They might be after all. Uh, that I, I'm speechless. I don't, I don't know what else to say after that. So why don't we just close for the evening, and I want to say nothing is overlooked by our Heavenly Father. Every incident that happens in our lives is meant for a purpose, and we have a special thing to do with our lives. Each one of us is special, and we have to know that we matter to God. We matter to each other. And if you're alone, remember, you're never really, really alone. That we're all in this together, and we all have a lesson to learn. And just ask in Jesus' name to be forgiven, If you have sin that burdens your heart, ask him, ask in Jesus' name, to forgive us our sins. Because mere sin is on a daily basis and we just get a daily reprieve. I love you guys so much. I want to thank you for listening this morning. And why don't we do our traditional closing prayer after a moment of silent meditation for those of us who are out there still suffering. God, Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. And in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so you may have your strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you are never alone. God loves you so much, and may your best dreams come true, and may true love live in your heart. You can message me on Facebook, Charlene Simpson McCain, or request prayers, or to discuss something. And I also have a show, The Paranormal and the Sacred, that airs every Friday. And uh, you can Google The Paranormal and the Sacred and go to my Facebook page, and I will friend you. And I just want to let you know that I love you very much, and I, I'm very happy that you tuned in and listened this morning, and uh, whatever time you listen, because we are available in archives, and there's many, many of you listening in archives. And I want to let you know I know you're there, And I appreciate you very much. God bless you. Amen.